chapter 3 days later, Jesus said, hey, show us what, what does the Old Testament point forward to and say about what you had to do, Jesus, dying and rising. Easter. Easter's in the Old Testament. Cool. Let's go there. Right. Page 741, Isaiah 53. Page 741, Isaiah 53. Okay, so this passage is, um, so Isaiah was, um, lived a f- several hundred years before Jesus, and, and he's, he's got this glimpse looking forward to this servant, this figure who's going to come and rescue God's people. Okay, and there's a lot of suffering and there's a lot of other stuff uh, that happens to this person. And we know it's about Jesus. So let's read this. Isaiah 53. Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up, this is about Jesus, he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. We, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, but the Lord, that's God, has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked. And with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet, it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, this is God speaking, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. There are agencies that you can pay money to, to to clear your name for, for a range of things that, you, that might follow you around. Um, there's one called Reputation Defender. All right. And they will work to remove anything from a Google search or something that you might want, want hidden, whatever that might be. 
Uh, maybe you need your financial name cleared. You know, your, kind of, your credit rating is really low or, or whatever it might be. There's this whole industry for clearing your name and vindicating you. If you did a Google search on your name, but a search which could, could search your whole life, what would you pay money to get rid of? What would you want cleared from your name? You might be someone who says, well, I've got no regrets. You know, there's nothing I'd change from what I've done in life. I don't, I don't believe that. <laughs> I know for me there, are, there is plenty I'd change. Choices I made, words I said, relationships broken. If I could just clear my name, if you, if you knew, I mean, what if you could? Imagine. What if you could really clear your name? What if your whole identity could be transformed so that every regret, every guilty moment, that you'd just die if we all found out, what if that could be wiped away from your record as a human being? You might, be temp- might not be tempted by a reputation defender to clear your name, but let me ask you this. Would you be tempted to clear your name before God if you could? With God, it's not like um, he might find out what we're really like. The thing is with God is he already knows. He knows everything, every thought, every action, every single thing we've ever done. And when you think about that, you think, what must he think of me when he can, he can search and see everything? If only I could clear my name. Now, most people think that Christianity is about um, us kind of clearing up our own name. You know, if I scrub up, do religious things, try and do enough good things, then it'll create this smoke screen so that God can't really see what I'm like and other people can't really see what I'm like, all the kind of baggage that I carry. You know, I can do these things, this religious checklist, and clear my name as much as I can and the the feeling of shame might diminish. Is that what you tend to think? God wants me to just clean up my name. That's what it's about. Now, I'm not famous, and I don't have an elaborate past splashed across the internet, but I'm pretty sure I would find it very hard to clear myself from the internet. You know, my Facebook account, Twitter, and all that. Like, you just have this internet footprint anywhere. So I'm kidding myself if I think I can clear up my name before God or by myself, if I can't even handle the internet. Okay, so here's the good news that we're going to think about this afternoon. God will clear up your name for you. God will clear your name for you. That is what Easter's about. What is it that you don't want God to see that would make you feel ashamed to come anywhere near him? He loves us so much that at Easter, through Jesus, he's done what is necessary to clear our names today. Totally, once and for all. But here's the surprising bit. Jesus needs his name clearing first. Jesus needs his name clearing. He needs his name vindicating. Jesus needs his name clearing? I thought he was perfect. I thought he never did anything wrong. What's he got to be ashamed of that he would need his name clearing? Let me explain. The way which God clears our name so we can have a relationship with God, guilt-free, is first by completely tarnishing Jesus' name in his death and then by completely clearing Jesus' name by raising up to life, the resurrection, Easter. So these, these are the two steps that 
mean we can have our names cleared. Jesus' name is completely trashed and tarnished in his death and then completely cleared by rising from the dead. Those are the two things we're going to look at. Jesus' death and his name being tarnished and then his resurrection, his name being cleared and how that clears our name too. I'm going to see it from Isaiah 53. Like I said, written a long time before Jesus. But it's all about how God clears our names through Jesus. So first up, we're going to look at Jesus' name being tarnished in his death. Jesus' name being tarnished. The first thing is he's, he's branded as guilty. This servant, Jesus, is treated as if he's guilty. Have a look. Verse 8. By oppression and judgment, Jesus was taken away. Yet whoever's generation protested. Verse 8. He was cut off from the land of the living that is killed. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. So Jesus was arrested. He was judged by the courts and taken away. And then he was cut off from the land of the living, killed. Why? For the transgression of my people, he was punished. Jesus was being punished. What for? The transgression of my people. Now, transgression means doing wrong, particularly doing wrong against God. That's what transgression is. Now, if someone is punished, what does that tell you about them? It tells you they're guilty, right? You get punished when you're guilty. But look at verse 9. Jesus was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Okay, this is getting weird. So Jesus wasn't guilty, but was punished as if he was guilty. When Jesus died on the cross, his name was branded as guilty for someone else, it seems. What's going on? Remember when I asked you what you'd be ashamed for God to see in your life, in your past, your present? Now imagine that those things are a, are a label over your name. A label over your name. They, they, they tarnish our name, who we are. Liar. Cheat. Unfaithful. Harsh. Cynical, adulterer, bitter, unforgiving, murderer. And, and we carry these labels around with us. They, they tarnish our name. And the worst of all is that we are all people who say, I'm finished with God. Then imagine those labels that cover your name are worn by Jesus instead of you. When Jesus died, he was treated as if he is guilty and then punished by God the Father instead of us. Jesus, the liar. Jesus, the cheat. Jesus, the unfaithful, harsh, cynical man. Jesus, the adulterer, the pornography user. Jesus, the murderer. Jesus, the bitter, unforgiving man. His name is just covered with my moral failings. His soul and body punished by God for me and for you. For the transgressions of my people. For the transgressions of Phil, he was punished. For my shameful past and present future that I would hate you to see, he took it. And then what God does, he takes all that tarnishes our name, me, and he, he kind of ties our name up with Jesus's. So Jesus dies instead of me. I should be labeled guilty and punished. And God ties my name up with Jesus' name and Jesus takes it instead. That's what's going on. And so Jesus in his death is well and truly labeled 
guilty. He's in the guilty category. Which means his name is also tarnished with this verdict, cursed. How do you know how God feels about someone? Well, in the Bible, it talks this way. It says if, if God's smiling at you, it talks about you being blessed. And you know you're blessed because he treats you well. well what's the opposite of that? Well, the Bible talks about being cursed. God's displeasure turned against us. And how do you know that God sees you that way? Well, he treats us with death and punishment. That's what goes on in the Bible. Now, you take a look at Jesus in this chapter, and you tell me, is he blessed? Does he have the smile of God? Or do you think he's cursed? Have a look at verse 4. Turn back over the page. Does Jesus look like he's got the smile of God right now or the curse of God on him? Verse 4. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities and punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed we all like sheep have gone astray each of us has turned to our, our own way and the lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all go down to verse 10 it was the lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer is god happy with jesus doesn't look like it does it he looks well and truly cursed the frown of god is on him what did he do to deserve this amount of punishment? He did nothing. But the Bible talks this way. Later on in the New Testament, it says that Jesus became, he became a curse for us. He became a curse for us. As in, well, the thing is, we deserve to be punished by God. You know, God made us to live for him. God made us to take his loving way of life and to obey him and to follow him as king. He's in charge. But we all fall way short of that. God says, love me. And we say, I love loads of things more than you. He says, listen to me. And I say, I'd rather do things my way, God. He says, I'll provide it for you. And I say, it's all right, God, I got it covered. Verse 6 describes it as us being like sheep. We all like sheep have gone astray. Look at it. Each of us has turned to our own way. And that is not okay. We can't do that to God and just expect him to roll over and go, hey, don't worry about it. Have you ever tried that with someone you love? Treat them like trash and then just expect them to just go, don't worry about it. It, it. it doesn't work that way. What about God? It matters what we've done to God. It matters so much. And so our name, our name is tarnished. We deserve punishment and eternity separated from God's smile. But who gets tarnished here? Do you see your name in these verses? Do you see me and you getting punished? Is that going on? No, 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 no. Verse 6, we all like sheep have gone our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity, the sin of us all. God treats Jesus how we deserve to be treated. Now, when someone famous has their reputation ruined, it's, um, it's often the end of their career, isn't it? It's kind of how it goes. And, but they often try and claw it back. I remember Lance Armstrong. Um, didn't he go on Oprah and do his kind of, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry, and kind of confess it all kind of thing? And as if that would make us all go, hey, Lance, don't worry about it. It's all okay. Have your medal back. Um, and people do this because... 
to be a musician or a politician and have this accusation attached to your name, it just spells the end of your career. You know, you're not going to get elected when this thing has come out. Now, Jesus was innocent. He's got no past to catch up with him. But what we've seen is instead he embraced our history, our guilt. He owned our label of guilty on his name instead of us. But do you see what this does for Jesus' future? It's the end for him. King of the universe, king of the world, worthy of our worship, doesn't kind of mesh with guilty, liar, adulterer, angry, cheating, murderer. How do these things go together? You can't worship this guilty man. He can't rule the universe with justice when he's considered this unjust man, this sinner. On the cross, Jesus' name is so thoroughly trashed as he embraces you and me and our guilt that it just spells the end for him. Now, we know it spells his death, right? He dies on the cross. But see how it affected how people viewed him. Uh, Back to verse 3. This is how people looked at him. This is his reputation, his name. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering, familiar with pain. Look at this, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. The cross completely tarnished Jesus' name and reputation. Someone that guilty, that despised by God, surely can't be king. They can barely look at him, let alone worship him. So it spells the end for Jesus. He's ended. It's over. When he dies on the cross and takes on our guilt. Do you see what Jesus embraced to clear your name? What do you carry that you wish could be wiped from your history? What word or label would you even struggle to say out loud? You don't have to carry that anymore. God doesn't tell you to clear up your own name. He takes all your guilt and he puts it on a different name. Jesus. And all we have to do is ask him to do it. If you want, you can try and carry your guilt around with you. You can try and hide it and put on a happy face, but it'll eat you up inside as you try and pretend to be okay in front of everybody. And in the end, when you meet God, it'll all come out. Or there's another way. God begins to clear our name by tarnishing the name of Jesus with our mess and punishing him on the cross instead. But where does that leave Jesus? Is that the end of the story for him? Trapped in this guilty, cursed place as a killed man, his name just carrying these labels forever? If John T. gets himself in some money trouble... Um, he, he bought a sports car. Silly John T. He couldn't afford a sports car. But um, I, I really like him, so I'm going to offer to pay because I'm a little bit more minted than him. And it's not true. It's not true. Um, now, that's very kind of me, and I get him out of spot of trouble, and that costs me. But basically, if I'm, if I'm basically just paying to help him out, I can walk away from that. It's costly, but I get to walk away from it. Now, when Jesus pays for our sin, it goes much deeper than as if he just paid out a lot of money, that he got out his cosmic credit card and said, guys, don't worry, I got this one, I'll pay for it. It's going to cost me a lot. But basically, if he's just kind of paying off our sin with a credit card transaction, he gets to walk away from it pretty easily. Now, if that's how we view what happened on the cross, I think we've not quite grasped just what it means for Jesus to take our place. 
His name is tarnished now. It's not like he pretends to be us on the cross and then can just step out afterwards and go, hey, it wasn't actually me. I was just pretending to be them for the punishment bit. But now that's over. I'm just going to walk away from this. Is that all right? This is why I put the Jesus and me together. Jesus' identification as you and me on the cross is as guilty, as cursed, as Phil Tinker's guilt. That is such a real swap that he now owns and totally embraces that name of mine. That is now his record of the bad things I've done. That is his identity. He really is cursed. He really is guilty, which means it is all over for him when it comes to being king of the universe. He is punished by God, stricken by him, afflicted. So where's Jesus' vindication? How does he get to clear his name? How do we get from his name totally trashed and tarnished to Jesus being the name above all names, the one that is worshipped by all people? Or is this the end? Well, the answer is that God clears Jesus' name by raising him from the dead. That's how he does it. This is kind of our second step now. We're looking at what God does for us to clear our name. He clears Jesus' name by raising him from the dead. Now, remember, I said that for our names to be cleared, first, Jesus' name needs clearing. That's the bit we've got to. God clears Jesus' guilty name, and once he's done that, that leads to clearing our name once and for all. Let's see where we can find this in Isaiah 53. First, let's see God clearing Jesus' name. Look at verse 10. It was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. That's what we've already seen. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, get this, he, the servant, Jesus, will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hands. Though Jesus was an offering for sin, though his name was trashed and tarnished on the cross for us, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. He was dead. Prolonged days. Sounds like he's alive, right? We're in resurrection territory. This dead servant has now got many, many days. The resurrection is the clearing of Jesus' name, you see. On the cross, he's guilty, cursed, finished. But by bringing him back to life, God is showing that Jesus doesn't stay that way. God shows the whole world, yeah, yeah, Jesus was treated that way for some time. But now it's finished. That work of dying in our place is over. He's alive and that changes everything because it clears his name. Paul says something similar in 1 Timothy. He says that Jesus appeared in the flesh and was vindicated in the spirit. That's referring to the resurrection. He was vindicated. His name was cleared in the resurrection. Okay, so let's see how it changes things for Jesus. First up, by being raised from the dead, Jesus' future is one of life. That bit where it's in verse 10, he will see his offspring. What's that about? Now, that's referring to all those people who are saved by Jesus' death. Think about it. If Jesus stayed dead, he wouldn't get to be the head of our family. He wouldn't, he wouldn't get to be the one we follow because he'd be dead. But even though his name was tarnished by rising from the dead, he gets to be the head of the church. The head of this church. We're his offspring. We're his family. And we see that he lives. He, he lives forever. Remember, we said dead means cursed. So alive means no longer cursed. 
no longer punished by God, but approved by God, vindicated, name cleared. Which paves the way for the next bit. End of verse 10. The will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. The will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. Now imagine um, there's a politician whose name is, is tarnished. Uh, she's, she's accused of, of things and is voted out. With name in tatters, she can't have this position anymore, this power. But then some new evidence comes to light. It turns out she's innocent and she's vindicated. The charges are dropped and her name is cleared. What does she do? She runs for office again, right? Because her name is cleared. She's now fit to hold power again. By rising from the dead, the guilty label is removed from Jesus. He's innocent. His name has been cleared. He's vindicated. Which means he holds the will of God in his hands again. He can do God's work, do God's will. The way the New Testament talks about this, he's Lord. He's Lord. He can do God's work. And it's not just like Jesus gets voted in again to the same position or kind of gets raised up to the same level. The Bible totally ramps it up even further. As God takes Jesus from the, the depths of his name, trashed and tarnished on the cross, he lifts him not only to his place of honor, but to the highest place, Philippians 2, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. No one's going to bow to a guilty name, a cursed name, but the risen, vindicated name, that's the name the world's going to bow to. Do you see? Imagine you're on the board of a school and you're looking for a new head teacher and you're in the interview process. Um, and you get this CV of somebody and you're reading it and you're really impressed. Uh, good, te- good degree, top of the class, good track record at other schools, deputy, head. And it's pretty plain to see this good candidate. And then the person comes in for interview and you, you look at them and you see that they have these, these scars on their, on their face, burn scars. And you ask where they, where they come from. And he tells you that a few years ago at his last school, he went into one of the chemistry labs where a fire had broken out and he pulled out four pupils who had been trapped in there. Now, he was a good candidate before, before even flawless. But the story behind those scars tells you, you want this guy in charge of your school, right? The risen Jesus has scars of where he died for us. Now he's alive, you can see, this is a man you want in charge of your life. The will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. Now if you're a Christian, and you're happy for Jesus to take the rap for you on the cross, but you're not interested in taking the crown of your life as a Lord, you're acting as if the resurrection never happened. Oh, I can have his name trashed for me, So I get to go free, but I'm not interested in his name then being vindicated and cleared and declared Lord of my life. No thanks. But think about it. Who could be more qualified? Who would you want more to rule your life than the one who bears scars of love for you? Final thing that we see that changes in Jesus' life being raised. Verse 12. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death. What does Christ deserve for what he's done for his victory? He deserves to have everything. The idea here is that he will, he will own great people. He will, it's like a victory march. He, he is he's the greatest. It, 
the spoils of battle, when people would come back from victory, they would, they would have the pick of all the possessions that were picked up from battle. Jesus is the victorious warrior who has defeated death. He's the greatest. He's raised. His name is vindicated. He's the greatest warrior. He's won our battle. Remember where Jesus came from. Look at him now. Does Jesus need a reputation defender? No. He was raised from the dead. He cleared his name. While on the cross, God looked at Jesus in anger as he died. And now raised from the dead, name cleared, God looks upon Jesus. And what does he do? He smiles. I love you. I delight in you. Your name is cleared. Okay, but we said, and we're finishing off here. How, how does Jesus' name being cleared in his resurrection add to our name being cleared? Because that's what we've been thinking about. We talked about how his death begins to clear our name as he takes on our labels of sin. But what about his resurrection? His name being cleared. How does that lead to you and I being cleared? Have a look at verse 11. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. You see, another way of describing Jesus' name being cleared is that he's declared righteous. To be righteous is to be totally good, all the time good, always good, right? Now, when Jesus is on the cross, could God have described Jesus as righteous? No, he was described as guilty stricken, afflicted in our place. But do you see the change that now Jesus is vindicated? Now he's raised from the dead. God says, he's my righteous servant. He's good. His name is cleared. And what does that righteous servant do? Verse 11, by his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many. Let me put that into plain English for you. With his name cleared, Jesus will clear our names too. Now he's seen as righteous by God, the Father. He'll make us righteous too. Clear our names. Jesus' name is cleared, and his job now is to clear our names, to justify us before God. And so, just like before, we see God ties our name to Jesus' name, his cleared name now. God looks on Jesus and he smiles. You're righteous. I love you. You're my son. I'm pleased with you. Your name is cleared. And when we say, Jesus, please clear my name. Everything I'm so ashamed of, please clear my name. This is what happens. God ties our name to Jesus' cleared name. Our whole identity is wrapped up in Jesus' identity. What's Jesus' identity? Cleared. Justified. Pure. And so God looks on us with Jesus and says, I love you. I smile at you. Righteous. Your name is cleared. All because Jesus rose from the dead. Do you wish you could have a new start? Do you look at your history and even look to your future and think there's no way God could have me with what I've done? God doesn't tell you to clean up your own name. You can't clean it up. He says, look, my son will clean it up for you. On the cross, his name was tarnished as he was punished in your place. 
And on Easter morning, his name was cleared. And if you trust in him, simple as that, you don't have to do anything. You say, Jesus, I trust in you. I need you to do this. Your name will be tied to his name. And God will look at you completely cleared, completely free. Then you're free to love God and be loved by him. Let's pray together. Just have a moment to be honest before God. Remember, he's, he, sees, he sees everything in us anyway. Every crevice, every part that we are ashamed of. And take a moment to look at Christ on the cross blooded and beaten and punished instead of your name and then look at him risen completely vindicated completely cleared and see yourself with him Heavenly Father, we are we're ashamed of many things that we've done. Even as I think of what I'm like, I know what I'm going to do in the future, and I wouldn't want anyone to know. But you do know, and you're angry, but you're loving, and we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, who you gave and who willingly came Thank you that every last drop of your anger fell on Jesus instead of us. You haven't, got, you haven't got any left. Thank you that we are completely free because Jesus was completely crushed by you. That our name is tied to his in his death. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to know the freedom, the astonishing, scandalous freedom of being completely forgiven, of our names completely cleared. Help us to have our heads held high, that there's nothing to hide because you see everything and you wiped it all away. No guilt, no shame, and we just praise you that we can be with you. Thank you that we can have a relationship with you where you don't hold us at a distance, even though we might think you should. But you say, come near. I love you like I love my son who I raised from the dead. Thank you for that astonishing love that is ours today because Jesus rose. In his name we put our trust. Amen. Okay, we're going to sing. And um, a song which follows from that kind of low moment of Jesus being crushed on the cross through to this glorious moment where he's raised forever glorified and i hope you can see that now that now his name is cleared it's a name to be worshipped and glorified so let's stand and sing
birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Father, we will see the Lord Jesus' face because he's alive and he's coming back. Thank you for this living hope, and I pray that it would be a living hope for us. It would really make a difference to our lives. Guilt-free, shame gone, you smile upon us. I pray that we would leave this place knowing your favor, loving you and loving this world with this message that Jesus is risen and that Jesus is Lord. Amen. Please have a seat. Thank you for being with us this afternoon to celebrate Jesus coming alive. Um, We're going to stick around and have some food together. We've got some cheese and crackers and that kind of thing. Um, It's a pleasure to enjoy time together and hopefully see you on Wednesday. Thanks.